We are so excited to announce that we're going to be running a new motherhood support group. Starting September 8th, Sina and I will be leading a 10-part group to help reduce stress and cope with the challenges of new motherhood. This workshop offers new moms with babies from zero to one weekly group sessions that cover issues such as body image, the impact of motherhood on relationships and identity, mindful parenting, and self-care. The new motherhood support group will provide a space for connection, safety, and empowerment as we embark on the journey of parenting together. You will leave this workshop with a better understanding of motherhood and friendships with other new moms. The workshop will start September 8th and be on Thursdays from 12 to 1.30 p.m. You can register on Eventbrite, link to our website and Instagram at lovelink.co, or email us at info at lovelink.co if you want to learn more. Hope to see you there. terms of us appearing together as a couple it was so liberating to be like yeah finally now you all know what I am who I am you know now now our queerness is something that's identifiable by looking at us Welcome to Lovelink, your guide to love and sex in all forms. We're your hosts, Simone Humphrey and Sina Simon. Today we're talking to Simone's cousin Rachel and her girlfriend Ada about the evolution of their relationship following Ada's male to female gender transition. Ada, then Adam, and Rachel met on OkCupid and it was love at first sight. Five years later, they're living together as a lesbian couple. So welcome, Rachel and Ada. Thanks for being Hi. here. Thank you for having <laughs> us. So to start us out, we'd love to know kind of how long you guys have been together and how the two of you met and what drew you to each other. Do you want to go? Should I go? We what? met through an algorithm, which I think is <laughs> very fitting, given my interest in um, data and... <laughs> creativity but um yeah we met on okcupid so um i found you through did you find a recommendation me? yeah i found you it was one of those things where they're like, like you might like this you should human. check out this <laughs> oh, idiot a friend yeah. of yours who recommended or no the, the, app? The, yeah. the app the whatever like on okcupid at least the perfect match yeah, yeah. you um uh, you answer a bunch of questions and i guess it'll be like you have a 94 percent match with this jerk you know and you're like oh, okay i'll give him five stars or something and how many years ago was this five years ago a little just like five years and two months or something like that but yeah okay so an algorithm matched you and then where did you go on your first date five leaves in williamsburg <laughs> bougie bouge um <laughs> We're like the poster children, or maybe I'm the poster child for OkCupid because I went on one and only one OkCupid date. It was Rachel. First shot out of the gate. I was like, well, done. Can sign <laughs> off. That was not my experience. <laughs> I also was seeing two other people while and I started dating Ada. But Whatever. I, I dropped them. <laughs> like hot rocks. Like hot, hot potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> what were your initial impressions of each other? When you first met. Out of my league. She walked up. In fact, I think it was a good thing because she walked up. I mean, we had we had chatted on OkCupid. We had sent, we decided to date after sending back and forth. Like, you know, I think the first time one of us contacted the other, it was like, 
four sentences and then four sentences back. And then it was like a paragraph and a half and then like three paragraphs and then five paragraphs. And like, they just kept getting bigger and bigger. So finally we're like, we should meet. And she walked up. I was uncharacteristically early. I was early and she walked up and I went, my heart just sank. I was like, Oh God. She's way too good looking. There's no way this girl's going to be interested in me. But so I think it was a good thing because it made me go, ah, fuck it. I'll just, you know, whatever. I'll just be myself, eat some food, and it'll be fine. And so then I was like a total nerd the whole time. I, I think it opened me up to actually be myself. Um, and I got a burger with an egg on it, and I dropped it on my shirt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, sexy. <laughs> Um, I knew that I was going to marry her after our first date. Wow. And I've never had that feeling about anyone else, even though I have even been engaged to someone else. I just met you and I was like, oh, yeah, you. And so after that, I like went to a bar and talked to one of my friends who was a bartender, but he now runs his own um, Reiki practice here <laughs> in Brooklyn. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm like... I met this person, yeah, and he was like, "Oh, totally, you go for that. That makes per. That sounds very like <laughs> stable and wise." What did you see in Ada that made you want to marry her? When I met you and I spoke with you, um, it it sounds like a cliche, but I was like, "Oh, I've already clearly known this person." The way that we were able to talk and um our interests and I never had met someone that um reminded me so much of myself but was also like a completely different entity I was like oh this person get like it just it it lit me up and um was really exciting so I was like oh yeah that's cool and the thing is though this is not to say that like take what I said with a grain of salt, of course, because, you know, we've gotten in fights and, like, nearly broken up and things like that. It was just this, like, very primal, like, gut feeling that I was like, oh, this, this person. But it's funny, I, did, I actually didn't realize that you went and, ch like, checked in with somebody right after and they confirmed a feeling. Yes. Because that, ha that happened to me, too. I actually had two, so I was living with roommates in Bushwick and, um, one roommate was home when I got back. And he was the guy who was actually like, he's a, still a great friend of mine, and he was on OkCupid, and I was sort of watching him go on date, on date, on date, on date. And I was still heartbroken over this girl who had dumped me like, I think one year earlier. Um, and you know, and like over it, but in like big quotes, like not really <laughs> over it at all. Um, and uh, and so, I, you know, it, I had never done, uh, online anything before and this i think you know i don't think tinder existed Listed. yet which or is Bumble weird to think about. yeah or, or any of that other apps. um so okay keep it was like the new interesting thing um and uh and i watched him you know go and like have interesting dates and also just get to hook up and shit and i was like yeah sure like uh, why not i'm i'm sick of dating in my little like theater crowd it's so incestuous i was like i feel like i've dated everybody that was even interesting anyway you know um so, uh, but anyway, so I got home from the date and I had a, a, a different friend of mine waiting in my, uh, bedroom cause we were going to do a, a little recording session. Oh my God, it was Matthew Marsh. Matthew Marsh. Yeah. So he was, he was off in the bedroom, but, uh, the, the first friend Josh was in his bedroom. So I walked in there and he's like, how'd the date go? And I proceed to be like, uh, well, I mean, it was really nice. She's great. 
But I was like, I just really feel like maybe she was like, she's too. And then bloop, my phone buzzes. And I was like, hold on. And I pulled it out, looked at it. And Rachel had sent me a one sentence text that just said, by the way, you are such a fox. And I was like, oh, it went great. Now, yeah, this is awesome. Yep, That's date a went great well. text. Um, and so then I went into the bedroom. No more, no less. And, <laughs> and, and told the other friend who was waiting for he, he had like, I was like late getting back from the date because it actually was a really great date. And, and so he was like asleep in my bed already. And so I like woke him up and told him all about Rachel. And he was like, he was like, this is going to be the one that gets you over that girl. <laughs> he's like, I can feel it. This is the one. And I was like, okay. You know, and of course, in the moment, it's like, Rachel was all like, oh, I knew. And I was like, it's doubtful. I don't know. <laughs> what a relieving text to get. Oh, my God. Yeah, un- yeah. yeah, completely. But it sounds like there was an immediate magical chemistry between yes. the yeah. two of you. And that you knew pretty quickly that you guys wanted to stay together for yeah. a while. Yeah. So, I mean, tell us a little bit at that point... Because Rachel, I know, I mean, I've known you for your whole life. Yes. And I know that you have dated women. I know you've mm-hmm. dated men. Um, at that point, like, how did you identify in terms of your sexual orientation? Well, on OkCupid, I listed myself as bisexual. And um, Ada caught me off guard because I was convinced at that point that I would only, like, the long-term goal would be to be with a woman not that one can like choose but I'm like I have dated enough men at this point and I'm kind of over it and so my next big love I want to be a woman because I got out of a long um hetero cis relationship and I was like this just doesn't really work which was also the engagement that yeah. fell apart too. yeah yeah um was I was like I need thing. something more yeah. queer um and at that point Ada was Adam yes, yes. And I was kind of pissed off. Like, that was the one. I was like, why does it have to be a, like, a straight boy? Like, really? Like, that <laughs> <laughs> we were done Although, with this. But I, I also think up, I think up front, I had listed myself as bi on yes, there. So. I don't, I mean, I know that's not that different, but, like, I do think at, at the very least, you were like, oh, it's a bi boy, not a straight boy. Yeah. But still a cis boy. Yeah. How soon did it take to get comfortable with the idea that your next big love could be with Adam, now Ada? Because you, you were thinking, I'm going to be with a man. Radical acceptance, uh, <laughs> kind of my mantra, um, because I just loved, or I was, even at that point, I mean, I wasn't in love with Ada, but I was just attracted to Ada as Adam, and I was like, why should I dictate the gender of who I fall in love with? And even if it doesn't match up with um, what I thought would happen, um, that's fine. Too. Although it, spoiler, it did work. Your long-term plan actually fit. I, I even remember saying to um, my sister over lunch one day that that I was like oh, if I could change anything about our relationship, I would change Ada's gender, but that's on me and, like, being selfish, and I don't think you'd even known that, so. No, actually, I don't even know if I know that you had said that until right this moment, yeah. So, Ada, Mm -hmm. at what point did you start thinking about transitioning? Well, okay, so that's, that's like a... Let's unpack that. Let's unpack that, yeah. Um, 
in my early 20s, like, I, you, there's all this stuff that you can trace in my childhood we're not looking back on, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, er, yeah, like, <laughs> der, like, early feelings, but, um, uh, but I really wasn't conscious of them at the time, and then early 20s is about when I started being like, oh, this is something that's interesting to me, um, uh, or no, that uh, you know, teens was really like it's interesting to me. Secretly, early twenties was like now it's a fantasy, and I think just by the very nature of it, and I think this is where like it gets, you know, for people who are looking to poke holes in it, it gets um, in, into territory that that becomes a little easier to do because in that moment I thought it was a fetish, you know, um, I was cross dressing in private. Um, uh, I would have a lover here and there who'd be kind of down to to play, you know, but even then it was kind of like in the bedroom kind of thing. And that's how it was disclosed to me. That's like, true. That's how it started right in off our the relationship. Bat. Yeah. Um, so I knew from day one, but it wasn't like, I'm trans. It's like, no, I, it was like, I like list, to cross dress. Yeah. I like to cross dress. This is a thing that's really interesting to me. I like to do it in bed, um, you know, or even just like, Around the house. Like around, not a- yeah, like around the house <laughs> for my own <laughs> masturbatory excitement, you know? Um, Rachel, what was it like the first time you saw Ada in women's clothes? When was the first time you saw me in women's clothes? Was it when I sent you those pictures from the... I, was, I like, put on your corset and sent it to you, like, a picture at work? Was it Probably. That? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard because so much of this blurs together but also sometimes i would like come home from work and ada would surprise me being like dressed up head to toe um but again always like always in a like sexy way you know always in like a corset and stockings and whatever you know yes i'd force my feet into rachel's high heels which was always and then we would do it non-sexually for halloween and some parties and things like that that. But that was like even that was later once it was a, more established as like this is something I'd like to do but I'm just maybe too scared to do it. So when yeah. did it shift when did the shift happen to moving from framing uh cross dressing as something more sexual in your relationship mm-hmm. um into no I actually want to transition to being a woman and yeah. this is my identity now. Uh-huh. How did you have that conversation with Rachel for the first time? Um I think well, therapy, yeah. God um, bless our therapist. God bless our therapist. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think it was something that first I had to to become comfortable talking to my therapist about. I had gone to see my therapist not for trans reasons initially. Um, I had gone because, funnily enough, I actually had like an anger management problem, and. Um, uh, and, you know, and, and, and combined with sort of like anxiety and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I, ha- I had gone to see her for that originally. And as we sort of unpacked all that other stuff and did a lot of, she does like um, uh, uh, CBT, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. And so we'd sort of worked on a lot of things. Uh, and then there came a point where there was kind of a big incident. I was like, I think I need more help. So I saw a psychiatrist and I got on some psych meds that I'm on to this day and I love them they're wonderful um but so it was kind of like after getting out of crisis mode about that that opened the door to be like okay so now what and 
I started realizing that this was a thing that was just on my mind all the time and that I, you know, that the, the fantasy of it was actually not just a, a bedroom thing. The fantasy was, I wish I could live this every day. I hate, you know, I, I was not having fun in a boy body. I was not having fun in those gender roles. I was not having fun in boy clothes. You know, it, in the past, I had found sort of like punk rocky excuses to wear um, eyeliner and nail polish and stuff, you know. Um, uh, but like, I wished that I could just wear makeup all, you know, every day. Like, I was so dissatisfied with what I was seeing and what I was feeling all the time. Um, and so I think that was the na- that was the nature of the fantasy. It, it sort of blossomed into being like, God, I just wish this could be all the time every day and not only secluded to the or sequestered into this kind of secret kinky bedroom life, which granted is totally fun and totally valid also. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I sort of just wanted more. And so I, so that kind of, I think, I think at first the conversation wasn't even like, Oh, I want to transition right now. It was like, I have this fantasy of doing it. And so I talked to Rachel about the fantasy of it, you know? Um, and I think there'd be times where that would lead into sexy things. And then there was also times where it was just like heart to hearts, you know, about that being a desire of mine. Do, do you agree with that? Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And how did you respond, Rachel? Um, I have been so open to all of this from day one and however this evolution has gone. So, um, yeah, it's hard because I know with a question that we get asked often is like, what date did Ada tell you and how did you feel? And then what, and it all really, blurs together I would say that you shared often after therapy sessions and then we would mm-hmm. talk about it together um yeah there wasn't like a I feel like another trans narrative you hear a lot that I think is it truly probably is the most common one eh, no I'm gonna I'm gonna re- rescind that but but even that's probably not true but I think especially later in life there's a and especially with people who with 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 trans you know, men trans women whatever uh who are into women because nothing is a lot easier when you're into boys you know i think the jump from oh maybe i'm not a gay guy maybe i'm a woman who wants to be with men is is an easier jump than i feel like i'm a straight person but now i have this desire so what does that mean um like am i you know am i now in a lesbian relationship the answer is yeah i am but that's a weird jump to make so I think oftentimes what happens is that um, the trans person will end up in a super cis hetero relationship with a super cis hetero lady and then have this moment where they decide they want to do it and there's like a coming out, which I think is more the situation where you can be like, yeah, October 27, 2000, whatever, like I came out to my wife and it was this huge thing. You hear about the wife having to adjust and, you know, and maybe they stay together, maybe they don't, blah, blah, blah. But with Rachel, it wasn't like that. It was, it was just like... We started our relationship, we always used to say, like, even before any of this started becoming a big conversation, that that n- outwardly no one sees that we're in a queer relationship at, you know, at the time. And we've been queer and since we day one. And we have been queer since day one. 
So in fact, now the exterior matched the interior and I was thrilled and I felt guilty because as I said to you guys, like something like the, the one thing that I wished was different about our relationship was that it, people could see the kind of queerness that it is, but no one could and like, oh, now that's happening. And now like Ada is becoming Ada. And I was like, oh, is she like reading vibes that like this is a secret want and fantasy on my part? <laughs> but And what was it like to be with your friends and be in public and, you know, be a couple as you are now as a lesbian couple? Yeah. You mean, you mean post, post, post trans? Post trans. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It, I mean, the first, you know, the first handful of times by its very nature is just terrifying, you know, you're, uh, you know, partially because it's like, it's a brand new thing. Uh, I think the first time I'd started doing it in public, uh, I was on hormones, but it was the early days. I hadn't really done much yet. You know, um, I was God awful at makeup, you know? Um, and so, you know, the, the concern was less even about the, about like the appearance of the two of us. Like that has never been a discomfort to me. It was always about like, and still is even to date is always me being incredibly worried that I just look like a man, you know, uh, who's failing completely at, at, um, uh, conveying the, this is an unfair word to use, but the illusion that I'm a woman, you know, um, and uh, so I think a lot of it was about that for the, the in the early days, but I don't know. I think in terms of us appearing together as a couple, it was so liberating to be like, yeah, finally now you all know what I am, who I am. You know, now now our queerness is something that's identifiable by looking at us. You know, and people. It's funny. I don't know that I could necessarily. Uh, elaborate on how people treat us differently. I mean, I think the answer is people haven't much, uh, uh, other than things like switching pronouns and stuff. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's just been very freeing in the way that they say, you know, the truth sets you free. You know. We invite you to spend the next few moments to just listen. Brought to you by Non, spelled N-O-N, the sound meditation app for iPhone, where no two sessions are alike. So it sounds like the transition has had a profound impact on you, because yeah. now you feel like you're more in your identity, you as a couple are more in your queer identity. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, what other changes has it been like um, after the transition as a couple? 
Um, lots. Uh, yeah. Hormones are a hell of a drug. Um, <laughs> but in a lot of good ways, too. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't pick apart what exactly might be hormones and, like, a chemical change and what might also be you getting older and... Yeah, the line's like, blurred. The, the line real, gets blurred, but yeah. um, from a emotional side of things, like Ada is a much more sensitive partner and more patient, and she um, a better listener. Um, Working on it still, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's that's the hormones talking. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um. And more uh, compassionate, a lot more empathy, um, way less angry. Yeah. yeah. And then in terms of sex, our whole sex life has changed, but not yeah, in a bad way. It's just different. Would you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about how it's changed? Sure. Like, how detailed do you want to get? However detailed do <laughs> you feel comfortable with? Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I feel like we're... Tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we're super comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm almost like, I'm worried we'll say too much and like gross everybody out. <laughs> yes. You will uh, gross us out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, we don't have penetrative sex anymore for the most part. Um, no, in fact, we tried it once recently and it, and it was so super weird. weird. Yeah. Um, I was worried that it was, that I've been wanting to try, we haven't, you know, we hadn't done it for like a a year and year plus or something. And not I, sex. No, yeah, yeah. Penetrative, like, pen, penetrative sex. sex. <laughs> and and also to be clear, I mean like we mean straight penetrative sex, like me penetrating her with a with a penis. A penis. Yeah, which is even that's a gross Weird. word. We don't call it that in the house. We there we have cute nicknames for it. Such as Uber clit or <laughs> Rachel Rachel coined the term gnocchi. <laughs> Her little gnocchi. She's a little gnocchi. She calls me gnocarina of time. <laughs> I love Dumplin. I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, I like penis. Ew. But um, but yeah, we you know we did it once recently because I'd I'd really been interested to find out like is this something because there's also you know, there's the big question that everybody's always interested in which is fine of you know if like will I get the surgery someday? Jury's out. Uh, it, it comes down to that question of like. Do I like? Do I want? Do I wish I had a vagina? Undoubtedly, yes. If I could flip a switch and just have a perfect reel on this very second, I'd do it in a heartbeat. You know, but the reality of it is that it's a massive invasive surgery, and there's a lot of complications that can happen. The the recovery time uh, time is lengthy and a big hassle, and you know, and so, it might change how you experience pleasure. Sure, too. sure, right. Like like you know, I think the question has become like or became like, what would would it be? Would the shift be so? huge that I realized I didn't enjoy it and now there's no going back you know so uh, so one of the big questions that I've had is like well now that I've been a year plus into this like do I miss that and we tried it and granted like Rachel for just stupid and doctory reasons has been off birth control so we did do it with a condom which I always had hated anyway, just because like like girl, gnocchi was never that big to begin with, and like now it was even less so, and so like I just hate it. They fall off, like and I can't feel anything through them. So I've just never been a huge fan. I know that's a common thing to say, but but so maybe it would be a little different once you're back on birth control and we could try it the other way. But but I was like, yeah, this is awful. Like I actually stopped. We we didn't finish. I stopped halfway through and was like, yeah, this is this is not it. 
you know. And why did you decide to stop having penetrative sex in the first place? Well, I mean, I, I want to hear your thoughts about this too, but um, but that was actually something that like came up with us because I was like, I see you so much as a woman, I do mm-hmm. not want to have penetrative sex with you because it's funny for me being as queer as I am. Like when I think about the relationships that I have with women and the way that I have sex with women, I, it's very different than the way that I have sex with men. So I was like, I want to have lady sex with you well like like, and historically you said to me like in lady sex you're the top i'm the top so and with with boys you've been the bottom yes i used i used to be the top yeah it used to be about like me fucking rachel you know and you know which was fine and 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 for the record like that sex at the time was excellent and valid and and valid and wonderful Yeah. yeah we had a great time but um but now it's really the opposite. Now it's kind of like about Rachel fucking me, <laughs> you know, or 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 a paradigm of like mutualness, mutual fucking, yeah. yeah, or like I mean something that's wonderful that I think even straight couples sometimes don't explore enough that is wonderful is like just just masturbating next to each other, just having somebody present with you while you're kind of doing the thing that everybody does best, you know? Um, And there's something about, like, having somebody there and just sort of being with you and touching you. Like, even even just, like, caresses or even just having that energy next to you is something... There's something so wonderful and... um, uh, I don't know, connecting about about watching your partner in in an incredibly private moment, you know, being led into that moment. Um, and so there's a lot of that too, you know. What have you learned about yourself? Each this is a question for both of you about yourselves as sexual beings through this process. Because uh, your sex life sounds like it's changed a lot. Your both of your roles have changed mm-hmm. from more dominant, more mm-hmm. submissive, or however you want to frame it. Sure. Yeah. I am so much happier in this role. Um, and the implications of that too. I mean, I hope that we don't break up I'd like to stay with you forever but I'm like oh this is the kind of sex that like if I have sex with a like this this is the only kind of sex that I want to be having if that makes sense this, yeah. this has helped me realize one well, like in that, the, sorry go ahead no no no, no. Oh, the, and like in the in the past we, we've in the past we, we've always said that we do like polyamory light <laughs> you know like l-i-t-e um uh in in that like we're not I don't know we're not like an open swinger couple but you know we've led each other kind of uh, we've had like extracurricular time together and also apart and um and nowadays I mean we still have an interest in that kind of stuff but like I am like god I don't know how for like a first time partner unless it's somebody who's already really familiar with a uh, trans femme body how to navigate that. how to navigate that the, 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 there's there's such specific stuff that Rachel like Rachel's acquired the skill and it's of been like a that learning curve with yeah. a lot of communication about figuring out for what, both of us what works yeah so. um and having someone else like like I just feel like I would spend the, the whole time like having to teach them how my body works because it's so different than the norm you know um yeah Cause it's like, it, 
it's kind of like, you know, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And I'm like, well, it moves like a penis and it looks like a penis, but it's not a penis. And it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't function really like one now, you know? Um, yeah. So aside from having to teach another partner um, kind of what you like, I mean, do you think that there's other reasons why your interest in open opening up your relationship has gone down? Um... Is that like lesbian U-Haul effect? (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. I mean, I gotta be honest. I also think on some level, like I have perceptibly noticed changes in the, in, in the way, I don't know, many ways that I just feel from being on testosterone blockers and estrogen. And I mean, you know, it's, it's funny, like how often this thing, this whole experience starts affirming stereotypes about men. Like, <laughs> it's, it's so stupid. Terrible. And I want to be like, ah, I'm like, I'm a liberal progressive. And like, that that's stupid. And like, I'm like, oh no, like now I feel like incredibly more emotional. And I'm like, I don't have that urge to like sow my wild seed anymore. Like, you know, I'm like, you I'm like, yeah, I just want to cuddle. And I'm like, but I like my partner, you know? Right. There's some like concrete biological changes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And maybe you're also embodying more of the socialized experience. Yeah, too. yeah, a new a yeah. new gender role. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It could also be like you know we've been together for five years now. We're getting a bit older, and like the needs that I had when I was 25 um, yeah, are different, different than, than they are yeah. now. And it's not that I'm closed off to anything. It's just it's not important. It was totally important when we started mm-hmm. dating, mm-hmm. Um, and now it's like. When in Rome, maybe? Yeah, we can exactly. like, but I it's think not we so- sought it out before, and now it's kind of like, we're more interested in like, if it happens, if we find out that somebody's interested, then great, then we're open to it. But, but I don't know that we're doing what we did before of like, having one of those creepy couples of okay, Cupid profiles. Which you we know, totally like, did. Which we totally did. Have you noticed any changes in Rachel as a partner since the transition? Hand shelf. <laughs> um, uh, yes, yes, undoubtedly. Um, I mean, for one thing, it's it's funny. Like we're, we've talked about like the top bottom dynamic in the bedroom, but there's this like like actually sort of. I mean, it, this it's weird. I, I hate putting things in this binary paradigm but like but it's like Rachel went from being like I hate yeah I hate the way of saying this but whatever it it feels like Rachel was the girl in the relationship and I was the boy and now it's flip-flopped and not that Rachel has any interest in becoming a man in any way but but like she kind of wears the pants in the house now and and I I I think I was always wearing the pants but like Are there other surprises you've had uh, uh, through the transition, discoveries you've had about what it's like to be a woman? Oh, God, yeah, every like, what's day. The biggest, what's the biggest one for you? Um, I think... The patriarchy is real. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, like as, you know, as, as stereotypical as that sounds, it's really true. Like, it, it, it's really interesting to remove oneself from from being in the in you know argue it just in terms of race and gender and everything from arguably the most privileged role to one that now by definition isn't you know and, and part part of that is the trans part but part of it is the woman part the female part and it's been 
like a huge one, yeah, is like how men treat me. And there's been ways in which it's been really positive. Like my best guy friends, like now they like, I don't know, now they, it's not like they flirt with me, but now they do that flirty rapport that guys do with girls that, you know, that I've done to women before. Um, uh, which, which, which for me is like a firm, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, thank you for like treating me in the way I want to be treated. Um, uh, you know, they'll like, even like, you know, when, when, when we show up and hug, they'll like kiss me on the cheek now, which never would have happened before. Um, so, you know, and like my, my buddy Josh, like now he's like, Hey babe, like what's up? What do you want to do? You know, which is so lovely and affirming. Um, but then like a more complicated one is like, I get cat called now, which is crazy, you know? Um, and and that's fucked up because it's like and I think there's a we've ver- talked yeah, about there's this a, too. There's a cis version of this that exists of like I kind of want to turn around and be like you know pig, but at the same time I'm like but thank you like you kind of made my day you know like 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 I feel I guess I look pretty you know um, uh, so yeah so like those kind of dynamics like I've noticed ways in which I'm because I I truly believe that being trans is. is can be as much a rejection of masculinity as it is an adopting of femininity. And so I've been trying to examine the ways in which I'd like to shed things, the behaviors and habits that I, that I, um, acquired over 30 years of being a dude, you know? Um, and one, like a huge one that I'm still working on, but is like talking over people. Men just talk over women constantly. Um, and I'll, I'll still find myself doing it and be like, ah, oh, Jesus, stop that, you know? Um, but I've noticed that not a lot yet, but, but it'll happen to me. Like men start, start kind of being a little interrupty and talky over of me. Although I have the habit of like holding my own in that. So like, it's kind of like the boy kicks back in and I'm like, nah, I'm not done yet, you know? Um, which, which is kind of good because I'm like, every woman should assert herself like that. So in some ways, maybe I can be kind of an It example, also makes but... me think about my femininity and masculinity because yeah. then I'm like, am I more masculine because I will talk over people? Like, <laughs> and that's something that I'm trying to work on doing. We're both trying myself. to listen both, better. Yeah. I, that's like theme of 2018. Better <laughs> listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pressure, again, this is sort of, uh, uh, like, it's two things. Again, it's like trans thing, trans experience stacked on top of womanly experience, but the pressure to look beautiful, totally. Like, I I completely understand now why there is such, um, like, why eating disorders are so common and why... um, why many women have such awful uh, self-image problems. I mean, honestly, like, Rachel, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but, like, Rachel has big self-image problems. And, I mean, problems is a poopy word, but, like, but, you know, but challenges, right? And and now I I feel like I much more intimately start, uh, have an understanding of the, where that comes from. You know, um, like, yes, I worry about just failing and looking like a man, but even if I'm feeling confident about looking like a woman, I, I, in the mirror now, I'm like, oh, I wish I had more of a butt. I wish my whatever ribs weren't so big. I need to lose these love handles. I, um, you know, like, 
oh, I feel like I'm, I fucked up my makeup today and it looks awful or, you know, um, like I need a, I need a haircut. My, um, I'm not coordinating outfits well enough or I've worn the inappropriate. Oh, that's another thing. Appropriateness of outfits to places, you know, in um, ways that you never felt as a man. No, I mean, yeah. a man is like you, there's pretty much like, there's like three modes. It's like, you know, do, am I dressing in jeans and a t-shirt or am I showing up? Uh, you know, in like whatever, like office, cash, something like that, you know, or is it a formal event and I'm wearing a suit? That's pretty much it. And, you know, it's like men's fashion is all about like minutia. It's all like, what's the, you know, what's the cut of your lapel? And did you get the thing tailored? And, you know, and which I was, it's funny, I was historically awful at that shit as a guy because I didn't care. I didn't like those clothes. So whatever, you know, but now I'm, I'm totally into it and fascinated. And like, now I'm like, how do I dress well as a woman? Not only because it makes me feel good to, to do that, but also because I want people to perceive me as beautiful. Like it feels like a failure if I feel like people aren't perceiving me that way, which is a thing that I never really felt as a guy. You know, are there any aspects of masculinity that you've wanted to retain? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, uh, I think you know, kind of like what we were just talking about. I think there's there's a social confidence that inherently comes, and not to say that women can't or don't have it, but there's just a, again, you have that privilege of being, you know, the uh, of of having status in in a room and. And while I'm trying to now check that privilege and, and, and learning in the ways in which I find it distasteful, like there's a confidence that comes with it that I'm like, no, I'm going to hang on to that because I actually think women should have that. And if I've got it already, then great. I'll, I think it's a positive thing. Um, uh, there's also, I mean, dumb things in like, I'll always like action movies, you know, like I know, again, not to say that women don't, but I'm like, you know, oh, you know, a big one is I, I, I've, I've done it already a lot. Like I cuss all the time. Again, not to say that any of these things can't be. Uh, I, I think they're just stereotypically more masculine traits. You know, um, something that I've been uh, looking at recently is I, I'm not super satisfied with my voice. Like even now, I'm trying to like speak up here and like kind of like a head voice but you know when we wake up in the morning i'm talking like this you know i mean it's funny i can't it's even really do it right <laughs> now no, it, no truly it is i mean i could talk i could have spent this whole interview talking like this you know but but it's like i'm trying to sort of convey a different voice up here but right now it's still to me it, it still just sounds like a guy like almost like a gay guy i sound like a gay guy you know i'm kind of lispy and up here and and there's this whole if you ever hear a trans woman who um, sounds like a woman, it's one of two things. Either they were just blessed to already have that kind of feminine tenor up there, or they've done a whole lot of work to learn the tricks in order to do that. If you were to give a piece of advice mm -hmm. to someone who is transitioning, mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give them? I think the advice I would give is this, is that all of the doubts that you are undoubtedly having are valid, but at the same time, 
Um, the, one of the best things that I ever read on like a trans forum was that if like if you're you know I think there's a big worry of like oh am I just blowing a sexual fetish out of proportion like you know am am I am I questioning something that actually isn't real and and the answer is cis people don't ask these questions <laughs> about themselves <laughs> the very the very fact of you asking these questions um, and having an interest or a desire in this is enough justification that it is really worth examining and really could be a real thing. I spent so much time um, um, that, that true, I think was necessary, but truly that I wish I hadn't spent fretting over whether or not I had the right to do this. And the answer is yes. Yes, you have the right. Absolutely. Um, and, it, and you don't need to have been suicidal uh, to, you know, or feel like your, you know, your earth wouldn't have been shattered otherwise to pursue this. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's like the biggest piece of advice. And then I think the other one is if you, you know, if you have gotten to the place where you feel like it is for sure something that you want, don't wait. Oh my God. I just wish I could have done this way, way sooner. Um, partially for, for like very like clinical reasons of, of you know, I I didn't do it until my pretty much my like thirtieth birthday, and you the older you get, the more diminishing returns you get on on hormones. And thankfully, they're 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 working well. Like my face is softened a lot. Um, obviously, all the emotional things I do have, you know, I've grown some boobs. Like, um, you know, there's still big changes. But like, if you see somebody who transitions, for example, in their te- starts hormones in their teens. By the time they hit their twenties, like you would never, they just they pass so easily, um, and then even like early twenties, still still great. Late twenties, it's a little harder, and then but like right about in your thirties, your your growth plates stop uh, stop changing. So like the your bone structure, you're stuck with it now. I mean largely. Um, so it it just means that you, that if you if you if this if it's important to you to to really be as feminine appearing as possible, then that means you're now headed for things like surgeries, which I you know I would like to do, but also it's like they're so expensive and they're such a hassle, and again it's like it's invasive. There's recovery times, um, so I'm just like oh my god, just do it, pull the trigger. You know, um, because whatever bullshit you're going to have to go through, you're going to have to go through anyway. So why not just do it now and not five years from now when, and kick yourself for not having done it five years sooner, you know, give yourself permission. And I think also taking hormones when you're younger, it's not as if it's, it's irreversible. That's right. That's right. So it's not like a surgery where you can't change your mind later. That's right. You can always back off of that. The, the only, I mean, the, the, the only part of it that you can't really back off of is once you grow boobs, you've got boobs, unless you, then you have to go get a surgery to get rid of them if you don't want them. But um, but, but yes, like if I, if I tomorrow was like, oh my God, I, this has been a huge mistake. I don't want to do this anymore. I could stop hormones and pretty much go back. Oh, Rachel just made such a sad face. I would, I don't want to do that <laughs> at all. Um, you know, and that and other things like I've, my legal name change went through. So like legally I made a Westfall now. So now I'm Ada Westfall, you know? Um, so, so it's not to say that this isn't something that you should feel, I think it's worth taking the time to feel sure about it. But once you do do it. Don't be scared of starting. Just start, you know. 
And Rachel, as the partner of someone who's transitioning, what advice would you give to other partners who might be in the supportive role or who might be dealing with things during this process? Um, I can only speak to, I think, experiences similar to mine in the sense that like, I am attracted to women. So having a partner switch from M to F is not a big deal. I could imagine it being a big deal if someone is like a straight woman and their husband that happens like, so my advice won't work for that. Um, but yeah, just, um, radical acceptance and, um, everything changes, nothing changes. Uh, about it (laughs) (laughs) but you know i mean something that rachel has been incredible and again it it, like she said it's been uh, we had we've had the luxury of rachel already being into in into this so you know there was nothing to like get over but once something that rachel has been really wonderful at and and it's always a struggle and we continue to work on it but it has just been been listening well it's funny talking about this i'm like this could apply not just for a lesbian couple where you have a cis partner and trans partner it could just be any kind of relationship of just listening to the beautiful human that is in your life and trying to like communicate and share with you Mm -hmm. um everything's a lot better when you're listening improves I think that's another sort of piece of advice that I, I mean I think is a great piece of advice for all relationships and maybe it's a little obvious but communicate it's just you know I, I'm baffled by relationships when I see them where they where people keep secrets from each other I mean obviously dumb things like a surprise party whatever but like you know when you, uh, everything is out on the table for us and I mean we have a rule that if somebody else asks us to keep one of us to keep a secret from the other one, no dice. Absolutely not. There are no secrets in our relationship. Um, and and thus, everything is on the table. And I think in some ways the only reason we've even made it this far and not broken up when times got real hard is because we've been fiercely committed to communicating and communicating re- uh, respectfully. Thanks so much for being with us, guys. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. To stay in touch with us, sign up for our quarterly newsletter at lovelink.co, where we share our favorite articles and resources about love, sex, and relationships. Also, in future episodes, we plan on answering listener questions. So if you'd like your questions featured on our show, send us a voice memo using the Anchor app or send it directly to our email, info at lovelink.co. And if you have a second, truly, the best way you can help support us is to rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. Just scroll to the bottom of the Loveling show page and let us know what you think. We thank you all again so much for listening. We're truly touched you take the time out of your busy schedule for us. Until next time.